0: Hey guys, ML here. If you're looking to start a podcast, start with Buzzsprout. If you let them know we sent you through the link below, you get when you sign up for a paid plan, you get a twenty dollar Amazon gift card. How cool, right? You get free money for signing up to get your podcast started. So Buzzsprout gets you the show listed every major podcast platform that you need. That's amazon that's google that's alexa every place you'll get a great looking podcast website audio plays that you can drop into your own website detailed analytics to see how people are listening tools to promote your episode and so much more join over 100,000 podcasters already using buzzsprout to get their message out to the world up And Dragon Radio. I'm your host, MLB truck Our show today is brought to you by Cleo Ginger. Ginger, sorry, be sexy, be you. And I'm here with author Lisa Khan. Is that Nats Cone, like Pine Cone? cone. I Cone, all good. <laughs> <laughs> I butcher the names always. <laughs> so we're here with your fabulous book, To the Moon and Back. So what led you to write this?
1: You know, that's the second time I was asked that's today, actually. So, long story short. Well, I'll start with. the way I describe my childhood is the best seats I ever had at Madison Score Garden or at my mother's wedding because I grew up in a religious cult the Moonies, Unification Church, and my mom was married with 2,075 other couples on July 1st, 1982 in Madison Square Garden, this huge indoor arena in New York City. And on the other hand, the best cocaine I ever had was from my father's friend, the judge, and yes, really a judge. And so that's my background. Long, long, long story short, finally pulled myself out of the cult, left and punished myself in so many ways for disappointing God and ended up engaged to someone who drank a lot and was really mean when he drank. And I crawled into Al-Anon saying, tell me if he's an alcoholic, there's no way I would ever be with an alcoholic, only to realize there are a myriad of reasons why I would be with an alcoholic. But as my brother says, when you sit in a room with hundreds of people with all these incredible stories and you tell your story and their jaws all drop, you go, oh, maybe that's something different. And, um, People always said, you need to write a book, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. So I actually about 20 years ago, I started, I also I own an executive coaching firm. I'm an executive coach and a leadership consultant. And about 20 years ago, I started writing a hybrid, a half self-help, half memoir. Here's what happened to me, how it messed me up. I got better. You can too. And um, got wonderful rejections from so many agents. The writing is decent. The story is wild, cra- crazy and wild, but you can't write this hybrid book. And in 2009, about an agent approached me and said, if you write a memoir, I'll represent you. And so I wrote the book and she couldn't represent me. And then it took a number of years to get it published. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, I have reasons now why I'm promoting it. But this is that's, that's just the story of how it happened. I just kind of decided to do it and did it because I want to spread a message of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: yeah, so that's that's how it came about. See, Long as story. a publisher, I don't understand why you can't have a hybrid the hybrid is what makes the story the
1: story <laughs> well what they said was you're not famous enough where will they put you in barnes and noble will they put you under self help or will they put you under memoir and you know how will we market you so that's why it went from this hybrid half self help half memoir to all to all memoir it's what i heard over and over and over and over again so yeah that's what that's what happened
0: so you go, go on book, both shelves. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, but they didn't listen to that. So, and well, so then again, memoir, I'm the was, one that thinks outside the box and not yes. in the box. And, yes. you know, I have a lot of authors that I do. Okay. Your historical romance, are you romance fiction or are you historical? Oh, let's do both. <laughs> but, we'll do both. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but now, now it's this full memoir, which tells the convoluted
1: story. So. I, I
0: mean, you have a, the story itself from the 1980s is just, wow. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't had time since I received the book to read the book. Yeah. I, I've leafed through it, but not enough to memorize. Yeah. So we have so many things going on in the 1980s. Yeah. And cocaine from a judge is just wow but then again this is the 80s that was a
1: thing that was very popular that was a thing that was very popular yes and he was I was questioned really a judge I'm like no really a judge of a small town in New Jersey and I was doing a book reading up up in the New York area and my high school boyfriend who's in the book Mm -hmm. uh, was there and when I said that line from the back he goes it was really good cocaine <laughs> so yeah it was uh, you know that's what I, I hung out with my dad and did blow with my dad and it's probably the closest we ever were at that point you know back way back when but that was that was after coming out of the religious cult i kind of went far
0: far, yeah. far in the direction. You know, okay so this is my knowledge of cult, cults you go and you follow this path because some person says to follow it then you leave it and then you're completely messed up on the psyche because Mm -hmm. I've been following this path for 10 20 years depending on a person Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you don't have this path so what do you do you go completely opposite from the path that you thought was right
1: yeah I would I would say so there's, there's people who join cults and then those of us who are born and or raised were called mm-hmm. second generation or third or fourth or fifth generation. And it does different things to your brain to actually be raised in it. It literally, you know, as my brain was forming, it was controlled and contained.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when I left, when I left, I still firmly believe, so Reverend Samyamu was the, leader of the Unification Church, I still believed him to be the Messiah. I knew he was the Messiah. And what we were taught amongst other things was that, you know, and I I just reconnected with someone who I grew up with in the church. And we were saying this to each other just yesterday, right? God has been suffering for 6,000 years since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. God's heart is broken and aching, and he wants to bring mankind back to him. And if you fail, you will break God's heart. So when I you know, as I went off to college for a variety of reasons, I had pulled away and I was starting a life outside of the church, outside of the belief, but I knew that I was sinful, that I was breaking God's heart, that I was failing, that I, w- I was so so broken with what I was doing and not being able to be strong enough for God and the Messiah. So what I, I mean, I like to say my freshman year in college, I did almost jump off a bridge. My sophomore year, I became anorexic and I was about 30 pounds lighter than I am now. And I'm not really heavy now. My junior year is when I did a hell of a lot of cocaine, developed like a mild cocaine addiction. And my senior year, I started getting into more and more destructive relationships, truly in retrospect, just to punish myself and Mm -hmm. slowly kill myself for failing, for being so weak that I couldn't, you know, for breaking God's heart. It's It's a hefty burden to carry as a child that I could break God's heart. So,
0: yeah, I I mean, I thank you for saying it that way because we don't get these stories very often from people that, you know, live through addiction, that live through a, you know, destructive behavior that look at it as I'm punishing myself for something I believe or something I was raised to believe. Yeah. And when we get to the root of why we're doing these destructive behaviors, that's when we get to heal ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And
1: I would say it's easier to stop the behaviors than to stop the beliefs at the root of them, right? Because I'm lucky. I skirted disaster many times and I am whole and healthy in so many ways. And, and my brain is whole and healthy and wonderful. And I can go to the depths of, you know, truly that, I used to think that my inner worst message was, I'm not enough, but truly my inner worst message is that I should have jumped, like I should have died. Leaving now. I do not. I know that to not be true, but mm-hmm. it is carved into my psyche so deeply that it still can, you know, bubble up and and, and be there. So it's yeah. a yeah. You get, hard
0: to into, get those beliefs down. I mean, it doesn't matter what belief system you have. You go into these dark, depressive yes. moments. Yes, and it pulls you down as I'm failing. I'm not good enough. I'm doing not what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't matter how good of life you're doing now, you're yep. going to have these little moments bubble up and just burst. And then you're just in darkness.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I say a couple of things. I say my story is unique and pretty much only my older brother has the same story of these two contrasting worlds, but the themes are unfortunately universal. And nearly everyone I know is walking around with issues and with shame for things that is not theirs to have shame about, right? Like, mm-hmm when the book first came out, my neighbor found out about it. And she said to me, thank you for giving us all the courage to tell our childhood stories because we're all walking around with something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my three messages are extremist situations exist. They're really prevalent. They're all around. They're in- so incredibly intoxicating. Uh, having a Messiah is the best drug ever, even if it's not true. And they're mm-hmm. very dangerous for that reason. For anyone who feels hopeless or damaged beyond repair, there is hope and you are not damaged. I do believe that really until the book came out about two and a half years ago, I still somehow felt I was damaged. I have damage. I have scars, but I'm not damaged. It's very different. I can look at those moments of despair and almost always know I'll get out of them. And the right. third message is um, as a species, I just, I know that we are too hard on ourselves and too critical and just beat ourselves up so Endlessly. And we just need a huge dose of self-love and self-compassion. And so I, I just walk around talking about self-love and self-compassion. So we,
0: so you have this book out. Are you writing another book to go with it? Uh, you know,
1: I've just, just started. I knew I wanted to, and I don't want to write about my current family. So I was trying to figure out what to do. And uh, when I was trying to leave the church, and it was a hard, hard decision to make. And I spent like every night with a friend going, but what if it's right? What if it's right? What if it's right? And finally, one day he said to me, what if it is right, but it's not right for you? And for whatever reason, that's what I clung to, mm-hmm. to like get out. And then the healing work that I'm still doing, I, someone said to me, or I came with, what if it's not right, but it is right for me? You know, because I like the, the thought that I can think or say or do or feel whatever I want, even if you don't like it, mm-hmm. is still mind-blowing to me, right? That that people pleasers like, no, I don't think so. So what if it's not right to you, but it's still right for me? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the book I'm trying to write next, right? To really tell more of my story and more of my learning to stand in myself, in my power, you know, letting go of the fears. Hugely ingrained fears of letting everybody it's down.
0: Something we all have to do. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter what your story is. Yeah. We get into this, well, it has to be right because it pleases my mom, my grandma, my dad, my friends, da da da. da, 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 da but, Exactly. But it doesn't please me. It doesn't matter if it's a religion, doesn't matter if it's a degree in school, it doesn't matter what it is. Yes. You have to find your own path. Yes. And then you want to play with the psyche. Let's do that because it's no longer pleasing yeah. everyone that you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the, you know, I, it came out actually, honestly, in a therapy session, I was like, ah, and I started writing it. So I finally, between my my work, my leadership and consulting work and my, and the promoting the book, I don't have a lot of time, but I finally know that that's, somehow what I'm gonna map out and write next, telling my own story, but with that concept of how do I please myself, you know,
0: how do I please myself? That's all that's something we need to learn how to do because so many of us go around life trying to please everyone else. We forget yeah. to please ourselves. Yeah, I I, I can say I,
1: like, I am so good at that, that I will figure out what you want and need even before you know you want to need it and meet it mm-hmm. so that you're like, this is good, right? And you've never even had it. And for me, I mean, part of my story, right? When we joined, my mom sat us down, my brother and I, and said, what, what should I do? And we said, you should leave us. And so she moved out, she abandoned us. Um, we were living with her dad, my grandfather at the time. And I was always told how lucky I was to not live with my mom and how wonderful that was. So I could never miss my mother. I could never be sad. I could never like that was sinful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just learned so much never to even know what I want and and that it's okay to have wants. And, right. So it, like I'm 57 years old and my brain's going, really? Really? I can do what I want. <laughs> so yeah, it's, but we all need to learn that, right? We yeah, all, I'm learning
0: this at 39. Yeah, but- yeah. I don't have to please mom or grandma or ex husband or you know. I can please myself, and guess what? Now I'm happy. <laughs> yay you, yay you! I at
1: 39, I probably would have said I knew that, but man, pulled out more layers, and I'm learning that even more deeper now. But it's
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Give me another 20 years, I'll be. Oh, I should have did this so much <laughs> sooner.
1: <laughs> yeah, but
0: then we have people like you who. Tell the story, we get into that detail, and maybe we can save the younger generation that's pleasing everyone because everyone's offended by everything. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why I'm out here doing my best to spread a message and share my story because I feel if, you know, when I hear from someone, a stranger, who I get an Instagram message or a tweet or whatever I get... Mm-hmm. I, that's why I'm here, right? If my story can help one more person figure out their path a
0: little bit sooner, that's a good yeah. thing. So let's let's start gearing toward the teenagers of today. So yeah. by the time they get to our ages, yeah. they're not offended by everything because they're trying to please everyone. Yeah. Let's get back to pleasing ourselves. Let's put our nose in our own business for once and figure out what we want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I was just speaking at a college in the UK on Monday, and that's the 16 to 18 year old age there. And mm-hmm. I've spoken in the high schools here. You know, there's a, my story is a coming of age story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you never know what other people are dealing with or what's going on. So yeah, I'm trying to reach them, trying to reach them younger and younger and younger. Now that my kids aren't at home, I can do that.
0: You know, isn't it great when we get the kids out of the house, and then we can go, yay, I can go teach over here. What they should be doing, because my child isn't listening no more because they don't know everything
1: <laughs> my I, I will firmly admit that I miss my children dearly, and they both moved to the Midwest and it's killing me, but um but it's all good I'm the kind of parent I'm like, "No, stay here always. That said, my youngest. Uh, You know, he's, he's in college and when he gets tested for COVID, they thought he was exposed and he got tested and it came back negative. And he's like, see, I tell you, negativity is always better, right? Because I'm a positive psychology coach, right? So yeah, he likes to tell me that everything, he likes to talk about my book in quotes and my traumatic childhood in quotes. He's very funny. He's very, funny. oh,
0: isn't that fun when a child tells yeah. you in quotes, because we have to do the air quotes, that Absolutely. something you did is not as traumatic yeah. as they see it as being. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he sees it.
1: But the good. I mean, both my children see it, but they don't take it all the way in, which honestly is great because I don't need my children to actually know the depths of my trauma. I just need them to know the story and how it affects them. So exactly. But yeah, but it, it is it is funny. They're just
0: are funny kids are funny i'm mine's 18 she's graduated high school this year so i tease her all the time yeah you know but she's my mini me so she's never going to leave me because mommy cannot be out of my sight for more than a day Mm. but she wants to go to the uk for college, I'm like, "Hmm, mommy can't leave you for more than a day, but you want to go over the way across the world to go to college. Mm, Are you taking mommy with you? (laughs) (laughs) So it's give and take. You have to let these children spread their wings. Absolutely. You have to trust that you gave them enough insight into your past so they don't follow your mistakes or the path that you led because you thought they were mistakes when they weren't. <laughs> so it's all related. That is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were talking about your Instagram, your Twitter. What are your handles that you go by? Or is it just your name or?
1: It's uh, my name, right? So it's Lisa Cone writes, L-I-S-A and Cone is K-O-H-N. W-R-I-T-E-S, Lisa Cohn-Writes. So that's my website. My writing website is lisaconwrites.com. And then my Insta, my Twitter, Facebook is all at Lisa cohn So
0: everything's the same. Everything's have, the same. Which makes it super easy for people to find you. Well, I like to
1: say, if you Google me, I haven't done it recently, but it used to be, if you Google me, I was the top five pages. And then I was the top three. If you Google my brother, I'm still the top page because I got a lot of publicity when the book came out because cults are popular. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're looking for me and you spell the last name with a K, K-O-H-N, it's really hard to not find me.
0: Well, see, this is why we have the harder names, because if you have a harder name and people spell it right, they find easy it. to find. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, not, not too many people have your spelling for the last name.
1: No, but you know, there was a Lisa Cohn with that spelling who sang Spanish songs, was a Spanish singer. But I have pushed her way down <laughs> in the list because I am prolific in what I put out. But uh, yeah, so I've, I've never met her. So there's a couple of us out there. But yeah, there's actually one who lives in my town who married into the last name KOHM, but very strange. So.
0: <laughs> yes, that is a little strange, but it's not. Too strange, not too strange, exactly. I mean, compared to everything you went through in the 80s, it's not strange at all, not strange at all, exactly. It's everything in perspective, yep, it does. And then you look at it as oh, the world isn't as big as we perceive it to be, yeah. I think the world is
1: much bigger and much smaller than we perceive Mm -hmm. it to be. Yeah,
0: it it depends on what perspective on the day of the week in the mindset to go, and then there's a lot of things it can be talking to someone over in the UK that is family and you didn't know they were family or it could be talking to someone that married into the family that has the same name as you it's just there
1: yes absolutely absolutely
0: so besides this book you also do you are a speaker as you say
1: yeah
0: how is it just getting hold of you on your website that people can book you for speaking? So yes, they can reach out to me on the Lisa work uh,
1: website. I also own a leadership consulting and executive coaching firm, um, which is Chatsworth Consulting. Um, so it's uh, Chatsworth, C is in Cat, H is in Harry, A, T is in Tom, S is in Sam, worthconsulting.com, all one word, chatsworthconsulting.com. And that's, we're to also book me for speaking and we, we work one-on-one with executives with, through coaching and we work with leadership teams and have, having strategic conversations and challenging conversations and we do a lot of training, if you will, around inter- and interpersonal skills. I like to say that all the tools I learned to heal, I pour into the corporate world. I'm the executive coach who talks about love with, you know, Fortune 50 CEOs, but that would be me. <laughs>
0: Well, I I know a couple executive coaches that talk about love and peace and getting your psyche to go to where you need it to be, because if it's not where you need it to be, your business isn't going to be. Right.
1: You need it if you're not, all, if you're not whole, you can't be, you can't show up at your best. Right. So how do we help you be whole Mm-hmm. to be your best self, right? To be, we, we talk about being thoughtful. Thoughtful leadership is being present, intentional, and authentic, right? How do I absolutely show up at my best in this moment with you mm-hmm. and connect in a way that makes the difference that I'm trying to make?
0: Right, and then you have find out that a lot of your Fortune 50, Fortune 500 companies, their CEOs went through something dramatic and they're trying to fix their world with their company, but they haven't fixed themselves yet. Yeah. I mean you have to do both. You can't just fix the world without fixing yourself. Unless you're trying to fix yourself to get money. And that's the only reason.
1: Yes. Yes. And I don't like, I'm going to pull back from the word fix yourself. Right. Because, you know, first of all, as a coach, we're taught that our clients aren't broken, that everybody's healthy and whole. And our job is just to help you find your own truth and what that means. And just, you know, from my own experience, um one I don't think we're ever fully fixed and two I don't think we need to be fixed both right so if I'm not broken I just have things to unlearn and I was just talking with a client yesterday about you know holding the duality of there is no such thing as perfection and I am a hardwired perfectionist there's no such thing as perfection and the present is perfect just as it is and I am perfect just as I am right now and holding both of those truths in my mind still kind of like makes it like wah, wah, wah in my head, but, but I do believe that all of that is true, right? That there is, I need to be told over and over again, there's no such thing as perfection. And I'm really working on getting that. And right now is perfect just as it is. And I'm fine just as I am. And if nothing gets better, that's okay too, right? Just do my best to show up here. So again, self-compassion for me, it's always about my hand on my heart, a la Tara Brock and self-compassion. So
0: oh. Yeah, it's how you perceive it. I mean, I'm speaking to masses that haven't gone to everything is perfect yet. It's (laughs) It's hard to hold. Yeah, it's hard to get there and then to hold that line. So when you get to the 17, 18, 19 year olds that are, the world is broken. Well, eh, let's back up a little bit, but (laughs) you know. And I mean the reality is,
1: you know, and my older child is hugely an activist, right? The world is broken in many ways. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. That I absolutely believe, right? And I'm for it. And how do I let myself be okay right where I am now? Like and let it just be okay. Like how do I hold? Yes, fight the fight, do what needs to be done, but let your like let yourself have space and be okay at the same time. It's a, it's, it's a duality that I try to hold in my brain
0: it's there's a lot of dualities that we need to hold yes yes yes. you talk to any motivational speaker any person it's hard it's a struggle it's a day-to-day thing a minute by minute Mm -hmm. and we still have those minute moments when we go the world is not all right around me I'm not right with the world I'm in this dark place right now Mm -hmm. any person will tell you that we're not hardwired to be happy 100% of the time. We're hardwired to do our best in that moment. Mm -hmm. We're also
1: hardwired, right? So our brains have evolved with the negativity bias, right? To be Velcro for the bad and Teflon for the good. So we forget the good things we see and hear and experience. And we remember that one little bad thing that somebody said or that happened, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we've evolved to not get eaten by wild animals, right? Right. And so I firmly believe in using the brain as a muscle. I do know it's not a muscle, but really trying to like pick up my brain and train it, right? Neuroplasticity to train it to be more positive and to train it to allow more joy and to train it to allow more, see more goodness, right? Again, there's things that need to be fixed, but how do I also see the totality of what's out there and evolve myself as much as I can away from, you know, the need to stay in the, in the negativity and then, and the awful feeling. So that's just, that just, for me, it just plummets me down into the
0: depths. It, it, it's a day-to-day thing. Absolutely. And minute by minute sometimes, and sometimes it takes, everything's going great. And then you hit a brick wall. Yep. <laughs> so Absolutely. This is how we train ourselves. This is how we evolve. This is how we get to our peace. Yes. yes. Yeah. But it was so good talking to you. And I can't wait to actually sit, have more than five minutes to do more than just leaf through the book. Because this is your story is even though it's riled <laughs> and crazy and from the 80s. And I can't relate to your story per se, but I can relate to the negative being drawn back. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And that's
0: a story that anyone can relate to.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. I'd love to hear what you think when you have had a chance to read it, but thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And for all of our readers and
0: our listeners, happy reading. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...